Dads are not favored as well in court as mothers are. They just see the mother as automatically, well, that's where the child is going. And that's why it's so amazing nowadays. Like if I get some people tell me all the time that if a dad is raising their child by himself or has custody, it's like, oh, that's so great. But it's really sad that it's so great because it right. shouldn't be like that. It should just be like, oh, well, cool. You know, you have your child just like that mother over there has her child and that dad over there has his child, you know. But it's looked at as something extra because it's kind of like you said, yeah, the default in a court system is the mom gets the kids. Hi, everyone. This is Ross, your host of Bear Crawl with Dads. So true confession, I'm completely leveraging this podcast for personal and selfish reasons. You see, not too long ago, I became a dad for the very first time. But with that, an older dad. So the one thing that I know so far is that this bear crawl as a dad is not meant to be done alone. We truly need each other. So may this podcast be that for you. So come along and let's bear crawl together. Hey everybody, thank you so much for joining this episode of Bear Crawl with Dads. As you know, if you're new listeners out there, this is a show to really just encourage dads, no matter where you are, if you're young and a new dad or if you're an empty nester, but we just hope this podcast could be a blessing to anybody that's listening. As you know, I'm a new dad. I'm an older dad. So uh, my boy is two years old. So I'm also too kind of tricking the, the show a little bit, making some notes, you know, we're learning from my guests where not to make mistakes and how not to fall into the you know, pitfalls or anything like that. But I'm proud and honored to have as my guest tonight, I believe he hails from the great city of Houston, where I am, David. David Turner, thanks for being on the show. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me out. Absolutely, man. Well, listen, thank you for taking the time. I know it's a busy, I'm sure, in your household. So I really, really appreciate you having a chat with me and hopefully uh, something that you say may be a blessing to a dad out there that needs to hear your story. So thank you. Anything we can do to help from dads, you know. Well, hey, tell the audience, David, just who are you? Where are you from? What do you do? I'm born and raised in Houston. I grew up on the southwest side of Houston in A-Leaf. And right now I run a trucking business. I'm owner operator. I lease on to different carriers just depending on, you know, the time of the year. Okay. I've been doing that for about two years now. And I have three children. I have a two-year-old, Mrs. Natalie's my youngest daughter, and okay. I have a middle child. Who's my son? He'll be nine this year, this June. Okay. And my oldest, sixteen-year-old, that's my oldest daughter. Basically, she's lived with me her whole life. I actually, she, I actually have custody of her. Okay. So a two-year-old. Yeah. A seven-year-old. Uh, eight-year-old, nine that you know, yeah. And, and a 16-year-old. Yes, sir. I got all the age groups. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay, so we're going to hit every elementary, high school, middle school. And I don't know, but I feel like I want to go to the middle school because I feel like uh, the middle school is like the middle seat on the plane. You know, nobody yeah. wants it, right? It's like right. we're all walking wounded from our middle school years. I even saw that you have a head of hair with all those kids you still have yeah yeah hair on your head. I, I still have a little bit there's a there's a sunroof up there but i still got a little bit of that. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> well i lost mine a long time ago before i had my boy go back real quick so you actually own your own tracking company 
Yeah, yeah. I I bought my truck for myself in 2020, and then I actually put it on the road in 21. So this would be my second year in business with that. And I started driving trucks in 19, and I just you know just to get the experience, I went the company route, which I you know I believe everybody should, but. While I was driving for the company, I was doing stuff to my truck and just kind of doing my research and finally just took the plunge in 2021 and went out there for my, myself. And it's been the best thing I've ever done, actually. So Good for you, man. That's awesome. Congratulations. What's the name of your Thank company? You. Turner Transportation Solutions. Okay. We want to make sure that we reference that in the show notes, you know, for, uh, yes, for that to live in Houston. And that's amazing, man. And so like COVID didn't, did that just... How, what was that like? Because you started, well, you know, so yeah. COVID kind of helped me initially because I wasn't fully into the business side of it. So okay. all the trucks that were being sold at the time were really cheap. So I kind of got a good luck thing right in the beginning because I bought it cash right, you know, right away. So I didn't finance it or anything, but it was really cheap, and it was even cheaper because I actually imported it from Canada. Oh wow. So Canada is a lot cheaper than it is buying it in the States, but you have to know what you're looking for because, you know, you don't get to see it before you buy it, you know, so. Oh, uh, true. So do you, were you freelance? Like people just hire you out as a, as a freelance driver? I don't well, know. right now, so I'm what they would call a um, leased on owner operator. So I find a, a carrier and I will sign a contract with them to only haul their freight or freight for their customers that they obtain. So then I just, and they take a certain percentage from the settlement and then I get the bigger part of it. You know, that can be anywhere from 70 to 95%. You know what I mean? Oh, that's fascinating. Do you drive all over, obviously you're based here in Houston, all over Texas, all over the country? Now I am in Texas for the most part. And these past two weeks, I've been going back and forth from New Orleans back to, and back and forth to Houston. But Hey, I used to do all over. I used to do all 48 states. I did that my first year when I did flatbed. Now I do containers and that's more local. You know, most of my runs are like to Dallas, San Antonio, Waco and, and Louisiana sometimes. So that's where I'm in now. That's awesome, David. Good for you, man. I feel like I just tangent on this for a while because I was like, what's yeah. the craziest stuff you see or is there one memory or something that you've got to share, like the craziest thing you've seen or anything that's, um, I guess, G-rated that? I don't know. The trucking world is, is crazy in itself sometimes. I mean, like when you're driving in traffic in your car, you know, it's kind of normal, right? But right. when you're in the truck, you start to really get irritated by people who are in cars. And then when you're in your car, <laughs> you know, you it's like you're kind of mindful but you kind of go back into the car for you know phase of it so it, it's kind of crazy transitioning back and forth between that because it's it's totally different but I, I used to love being on the road that was my it was fun it was like camping that's how i looked at it you yes. know just camping in my truck you know gosh i get it man i get it because there really is just i know for me too just a love of driving seeing you places yeah that's awesome and well i just got back i worked at a school we took our fifth graders way out to west texas or i'm sorry the hill country uh, just about an hour west of Kerrville. And so I was sitting up at the front uh, with the bus driver, you know, and then seeing through her lens. It's, so it was funny right. you mentioned that because her car would like shoot right in front of her. And obviously there was kids on the bus. So she was really choosing her words correctly. But um, yeah. she she would just, you could tell, really getting irritated <laughs> with the cars. Yeah. And I'm like, man, I get it. I get it. I think I've been probably that person, you know? 
it's hard, I think, for people in cars to understand that I weigh 80,000 pounds. If you jump in front of me and you hit your brakes, I cannot stop. It's, it takes me at least a football field at highway speed to stop. So I understand because, you know, when you're in your, you're in your car, you think everybody can just hit the brakes. And some people think, oh, well, you have all those wheels. That means you have all those brakes. But that doesn't equate. Yeah. You know yeah. Mean, yeah. You're going to find that the hard way. So maybe we're going to end our yeah. the podcast talk right now because this is going to be a public service announcement. Our drivers out there just to uh, be respectful of the truck drivers, my friend. Be um, mindful. They want to stop. They just can't. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. Okay. Well, that's going to be a lesson. That's a public service announcement. So thank you, David, for that. But obviously with the show, man, just we want to just the audience just to know your story. And so to, to kick it off, we're being a little bit dad centric here. If you don't mind, obviously we talked about kind of what you're doing now. And I'm curious if we kind of open the door a little bit on David growing up. What was that like, say, the relationship with your father? Because I'm curious, like maybe from those experiences too, what was the drive that got you kind of what you're doing now? What was it like for David growing up and the relationship with your father? Well, you know, my dad was very, I want to say kind of militant at times. You know, he was very like a stern guy and a lot of my friends were kind of intimidated by him and stuff you know all my all my friends in the neighborhood but he was also he had his moments where he was like really goofy you know he was the jokester you know mm-hmm. if, he, if he told a funny joke and you laughed at it he would keep going because he liked to make people laugh and he would keep going until the point where the jokes weren't funny anymore but we'd all <laughs> laugh just because he kept trying to make jokes you know what i mean yes he played both of those roles very well my parents split up when i was young and reconciled for a little while and split back up. But he was always, you know, very, he was very involved. I mean, it wasn't just like a drop off a check to your mom and then the rest is up to her type of dad. Like, you know, he'd come get us regularly. You know, we'd stay over there for, you know, the month or so during the summer and he coached basketball for us as kids, you know, and he was there, you know what I mean? So. He was very, uh, very influential. I feel like when I was younger, me and my dad had a little bit more of a rocky relationship than I think he had maybe with my older sister, my younger brother. And I think most of that just came from me being old enough and around to see, I guess I would say what him and my mom went through being able to be aware of it. My brother wasn't very aware of it, but I was so, and of course, you know, the young boy, the first son, I'm very protective of my mom. So I was, you know, I kind of took that personal myself for a long time, you know, as a young child. But when I got older, it was more, you know, getting past that and then really starting to value the time with him, you know, the advice, being able to call him about a situation, you know, whether that was like relationship stuff, work stuff, you know, personal stuff spiritual things like it just i started to kind of value that a lot more as i got older once the rocky stage was done you know so you reference you have a brother and a sister yes sir okay and you were the oldest i am the oldest son my sister is actually older than me i got you okay and is your dad still with us no my dad actually passed in 2020 right actually when i bought my truck actually that same month so you, from what I'm hearing, is that you 
even though he uh your parents separated but you he was present he was involved yes sir. He, he kind of almost became kind of meant but a, a confidant like you said to, to talk about all sorts of things that he really listened to you and, and and poured into you kind of in those avenues is that fair that's exactly right. Like okay. he, was, he was definitely that person. Because <laughs> you know, one or two like generations, right? With your father, I don't know how you old, how old you are, but I think you know, like with my father, and I've mentioned this on s- several shows, his way of love, active, but I think I'll say working. That by working and providing for the family, that's my way of showing love, and definitely attended all my you know my basketball games for sure. Very active, and you know, I remember wrestling and very very yes, but but I think um, but also too wanting to fix. Just fix things, you know, just right. like, okay, here's the problem. Okay, let's fix it. But also too, my dad would carve out times. I have two older sisters. And so like one Friday night, it would be me and my father would go on a quote, a date. And we would just like, where, where are you going to go? Whatever you want to do. And then when he took my, one of my sisters out, you know, it would be like, he would open up the door for her because he, he wanted to show her what it was like to be treated with respect by a man to say, hey, I'm setting the bar. Right. So you shouldn't right. accept anything less when you do right. start dating, right? But what was it, maybe, with your father? What connected you? Because again, I'm 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 curious with my son, right? What bonded you? What connected you with your father? Would y'all do things together? With me, I would say this is kind of mutual for me and my brother. How we connected with my dad was through our love for cars, and uh, as we got older, like motorcycles and mm-hmm. stuff. So at like family events, you could find like me my dad and my brother in the garage and everybody would be inside and we'd be looking at the cars talking about you know future plans or racing i mean you know i don't know if you remember or everyone went out there but you know westheimer used to be like the real popular spot you know back in the late 90s maybe early 2000s and for street racing and stuff my dad used to take us out there in his car and then he had a 91 camaro and it was an RS model and he fixed it up and he took us out there and we'd go sit in the parking lot, look at cars and he'd race a little bit. And then when we got bars, we'd all three go out there together. That was where we all bonded was with our love for cars and stuff. Wow. That is awesome, man. What a neat connection. So what got your dad into it? I think it's just in the family. I mean, I have uncles that are like that. You know, even my nephew, he loves cars. My nephew now, he's 21 now, I believe. And he's insane about cars. It's kind of just a family thing. And I remember my dad bringing home that Camaro and he brought it, bought it brand new, you know what I mean? And of course my mom wasn't necessarily a fan because it wasn't a a shared decision. He's kind of popped up with it, but you know, yeah, I remember seeing it pull in the garage with it and the little red light in the, in the garage. So it just kind of fell onto the red car just perfect. So it, I mean, it's, it's just always been there. You know, I think with his family and growing up, okay. they liked cars. So it just kind of got passed down to us. And both me and my brother, you know, went to school for automotive at one point and worked in that industry. And it just, it's kind of, I think it's just in the blood, you know? Yeah, it's in your DNA, man. I don't have any of that. I, I, I really am envious of, <laughs> of that with your family, man. I, yeah, that, is, I, that is our hobby. <laughs> I love that, man. Cause yeah, just, and it's, and I don't know about you and maybe with your, even with your son specifically or with your guy friends, but I feel like too, it's more, cause I'm curious, kind of on a side note, but like when you're connecting with your guys, 
I feel like it's through the act of doing something is when we actually kind of start to open up a little bit versus like, David, tell me, man, what's going on? You know what I'm saying? Like the activities kind of bring that, that wall down a little yes. bit. It makes everybody kind of relax. And then they just start kind of naturally being themselves and kind of yes. letting out stuff that otherwise maybe they wouldn't. Yeah. Through the act of working on the car, then you just start talking and you're not thinking about it because you're fixing something or repairing something. Right. And the conversation right. just goes and goes. Cause I bet you, you and your, I'm assuming maybe you and your father and brother and relatives, maybe some really great conversations maybe came out of. We've had a lot of good, you know, talks and just good times, just either working on the motorcycles or working on the cars. And it, it almost became the car thing almost became a competition. You know, like my dad would go buy a new car, like the Trans Am that I have now was his. It's a WS6 Trans Am, the last model. And I remember when he went and bought it, I bought my Mustang, then my brother went and bought a 300ZX, and then my dad went and bought a Trans Am. It was always like a competition. So when somebody bought something new, then one, the other two would go buy a new one. <laughs> or when somebody fixed up their car a certain amount, then the other two would yeah. try to catch up. And when somebody bought a motorcycle, the other two bought motorcycles. You know, <laughs> it just kept going like Y'all got some expensive hobbies. It's not cheap, but it's definitely expensive. But it was, it was worth it. You know, I, I sacrificed in other areas. You know, so. Well, what a neat connection, man, you know, with your father. And, and I don't know what that's like with passing that down to your kids. Uh, and I got to ask this before we go up to the father. Like, what's your favorite car? Honestly, I can't pick because okay. I love everything. Like, I, I love fair. lifted trucks. I love old school cars. I love supercars. Like, yeah, that's fair. If somebody told me I had to pick one car, I mean, it would be a sports car for sure. But it would probably be more of a muscle car. I would say that. See, I don't know why. And again, I don't want to. Uh, I feel like I could just go off on so many tangents with you. But I feel like, tell me if I'm wrong. But the, all those old muscle cars, could they not keep the same body style and just on the inside modernize it, but keep the stinking look? Yeah, just back in the still, but just make the yeah. Yes. I mean, there's people that have done that, and. I mean, even with old school cars that are even not sports cars, like Cadillacs and stuff like that, you'll see that in Houston some, that they take the newer Cadillac seats and dashes and stuff sometimes, and they take put them over, or they'll take like the new Challenger insides and put them in an old Challenger or Charger. Okay. Shell, so I'm just but, like, it doesn't sound like it's rocket science, because I feel like people are craving for the retro you know, of course, yeah. with the with the Ford Broncos out now, right? Everybody's going crazy about them, but they're not. Yeah. It's not the old look. Yeah, I get it. Somebody asked me the other day. They're like, "What's your favorite food?" I'm like, "Are you kidding me? I live in Houston, the most diverse city in the states. It like, yeah. I love them all. You know, I know it's hard to pick. You almost <laughs> feel like you're betraying one if you pick one over oh, the other. You know? Okay, well, we're not going to call you out on the podcast, so we'll just we'll keep it there on the muscle car. <laughs> David, thank you so much for sharing about your father and. Did you feel like, you know, not to get too personal, but like before your father passed, do you feel like y'all had good closure? Do you feel like he knew where you stood with him? Like, yeah, definitely. We actually had that, that experience, I would say five or six years before him passing to where we actually just sat down and talked about everything. And, you know, by that time we, we were still close you know we still shared the car stuff together we still hung out and you know went ate you know weekly with him and my brother and stuff at razoo's and stuff but but yeah the actual moment of closure and kind of just putting it all out there i, I think it was about five or six years before he passed 
Awesome. Well, that's special. I think that's rare. So uh, that's that's great to hear that, man. And um, before we kind of then focus on you as a father, David, I'll put you on the hot seat. What would you say was the best advice that your dad gave you or something that you still look back on as like impression he made on you? So a few things is, you know, was always he would always tell me to be true to myself. So just in in the manner of there were certain things that me and him were very alike on, but then there were certain things we weren't. So and this a lot of this advice always came through when it came to talking to him about maybe a relationship I was in at the time. And he was he was he was always talking to me about my relationships. Like that's always been a thing. But so it was always, you know, be true to yourself. You know, if you can if this is what you want in life or this is something you can't handle, accept that, be okay with that. You know, you don't have to measure yourself based on what you see me doing or me handling or or being okay with. You need to be able to be okay with doing accepting and handling the things that you are able to and it kind of put me in a place to where i was like okay i can at least semi stop trying to measure myself up to him or other you know things you maybe see on tv or from your friends or other family you know just kind of this is who i am this is how i function in this particular situation and just to be okay with that, you know, yeah. there's nothing wrong with being different from what the next man can do. It doesn't make you any less of a man because you don't want to deal with some of the crazy stuff that comes in the world or, you know what I mean? It was just, you're not any weaker, you know, and I think society kind of implants in young boys nowadays that you got to be strong, like don't cry and, you know, just be tough all the time. Right. So that was one of them for sure. Well, it's almost like he was kind of giving you permission to be your own person, yeah, I guess. Sure. And yeah. And I think that's huge for a father to say that. I mean, that's kind of our our role models to some degree. And yeah. the fact that your father was giving you permission to be who you want to be, not who he was. Right. And you got, you know, I think some dads are living vicariously through their children and yeah, whatever. So that's pretty cool. He was one of those men that, if you got him talking, he could talk forever. You know, he'd go off on tangents and, you know, he'd get on his soapbox sometimes. And, you know, he was, well, he was very well known for his lectures. If you ask my sister now, she got a whole lot of lectures growing up. And so, I mean, but I think he actually liked to play that role. Like that made him happy to feel like he was helping us through talking to us, you know? So one other thing he always told me and, this was specific to my dating life as a young man because I was full of bad decisions when I was a young kid. But he told me, you know, you like hood ornaments. And I was like, what do you mean hood ornaments? He was like, well, they sit out there in front of you and they look good. But that's basically all they're good for. It's just how they make you look sitting out there in front of you. He was like, you need to start looking for substance, somebody that can be good for you on the inside, not just somebody that makes you look good because of the outside. So, That's really good. I don't, I don't think I'll look at a hood ornament ever the same. 
Yeah, I don't either. <laughs> yeah, <that's, laughs> wow, man. It, what a what a testimony and a tribute to your father, David. Sounds like a great man. So now we're going to kind of turn the focus on you a little bit. So what has been your greatest challenge as a dad? One of my greatest challenges is I'm, I'm hard on myself, I feel like. It's like you get in this mindset that whatever you're doing is n- never enough. And whether that's for, for everybody else, is it's different. You know, sometimes other people measure themselves to whatever they see others doing. But me, it's just, am I doing enough? Am I spending enough time with them? Am I taking advantage of teaching lessons when I can? Am I, you know, talking to them enough about what's going on at school? Am I, am I taking enough interest in what they want out of life or the things they enjoy? Or am I, like you said earlier, you know, living through them or almost trying to relive my childhood through them and instead of letting them live their childhood. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or I'm always like, I'm always analyzing myself. And sometimes I, it's to my detriment, I think. I think I'm very hard on myself when it comes to judging myself if I'm being that good of a father or if I'm doing the things. And so... Sometimes I go get, you know, outside views from people. You know, like I said, I, I raised my daughter since she was little. I still am hard on myself. Like, am I doing the right thing? You know, am I working too much? Am I not here enough? Am I here too much? Am I, you know what I mean? It's just question after question. But sometimes you go ask the outside, you know, your friends or family, and just to kind of give you that and reel you back in, you know, reality check. Like, you're doing this. You're doing great. Like, your daughter is doing amazing and that is owed to you, you know? And so sometimes you need that, but you need that reality check, I guess. Right. Yeah, yeah. for sure. I mean, it's, you, you're never going to have all the answers. And that's one thing I miss the most about my dad is, is being able to call him and say, Hey, like, am I tripping? Like, or am I doing the right thing? And so, yeah, that's being hard on myself. I would say is, is one of my main ones for sure. And then I think just, realizing that my example and the lessons I teach them decisions I make are what gonna are what could possibly impact them for life like that's a if if you really try to look at that on the smallest level to the biggest level I am in charge of three different human beings who are gonna potentially grow up and experience things a certain way, have a good life, not have a good life, whatever it turns out to be, a lot based on what they get from me. You know, I mean it's a lot of responsibility. That's that's a that's a heavy burden to shoulder. It's huge. So yeah, it's yeah. huge. Yeah, I appreciate your honesty and just your realness, David. Do you have uh, like accountability? Do you have people that you can pour into or that can pour back into you? Because, you know, again, like this show, it's like, we, we can't do this alone. You right. know, it, re- it really does take a village, you know? And so are those, are there those people that you could bounce things off with? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my mom has been instrumental in helping me with my oldest daughter. She's played many roles for me and my daughter at the same time, but my mom has been very, you know, substantial in, in helping keep me together at those times when I felt like I wasn't together or I wasn't doing well, I mean, I, I call and ask her for advice. Like, am I doing this right? And 
she's been there from day one. So her relationship with my daughter is amazing. So it's, yeah, she's definitely one of them. My sister is, is another one. And, and my brother, you know, my brother doesn't have any kids and stuff and he's, he's, he has a wife. They've been, you know, we were just eating for mother's day and stuff and talking and stuff, but they've been together for, I think since 2009. So they don't have any kids, but I mean, when it gets to the point of just talking, my brothers, he'll be there just as much as my mom or my sister will, you know, and those are my like village leaders when it comes yeah. to my village. Yeah. And I have a, a couple of just guy friends that I can go to, but for the most part, it, it would be my family for sure. Good, good. I think the biggest thing too, that's jumping out for me, David, when you're, as you're sharing is the fact that you're, you're, you're self-aware. You're asking the questions. Am I doing the right thing? Am I doing enough versus not even thinking about it or right. getting so wrapped up in your cars, your business that you're not even thinking about it. Right. So to me, you're so self-aware. So that's so encouraging. Um, yeah. and, and huge. And, you know, so many of my guests so far have been like, Ross, it goes by so fast, man. You blink. They're two and now they're in high school at a leaf. You know, and right. you're just like, what? I thought, I don't know if that's where right. they're going. But yeah. And so I think I've been trying to like, you know, being that I'm an older dad is just try to be even more intentional about just time with them. Not necessarily what it is, the song and dance stuff, but just getting that quality time and being present. Right. Yeah. yeah. I think, I think that's, if I could tell anybody that's getting ready to be a dad or, or, you know, just kind of wondering if they are doing the right thing is just make the time. You know what I mean? Like you can, there's a lot of pressure, I think just on people in general to, you know, the, the new way of looking at it is go get the bag, make the money, you know, but there's yeah. like, you're asking me stuff now. Like if that's all my dad focused on, I wouldn't have a lot of those memories of w working on the cars and doing yes. going out racing and cause he'd be working, making money. Now that's great. You can provide the house, you can provide, you know, you can pay for private education. All those things are great things, but you know, kids don't hold on to those as much as they will hold on to the memories that they share with their mom and dad. So absolutely. Well, and, and I'm glad you brought that up. Cause that made me think with your three kids, are there any kind of like traditions, rituals that you do with your kids to create that connection? Well, usually, so they're all, they're all pretty different. Like my daughter, you know, of course she's a teenager now, so she's very into her friends and TikTok and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. it, it's, 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 it's a juggling act trying to get everybody on the same level because they're all different ages. But right. I think with my son and daughter, some of the things they enjoy most is just hanging out with me. So sometimes we'll hang out in the backyard and maybe I'll be barbecuing and we'll have the music going and, you know, the lights on or something like that. Or sometimes we'll just have like, jam sessions in the living room and listen to music on the TV and they'll be singing and dancing. And nice. the other day we had a wrestling tournament between me, my <laughs> son and my oldest. So, you know, it's just everybody doesn't like the stuff, all the same stuff the same way, but I have to kind of juggle it, you know? So I know my daughter is cool with the music and the dancing and singing and my son will do it too, but he doesn't enjoy it as much as the wrestling, which she doesn't enjoy that as much. But, you know, 
we just kind of make it all work together. You're like the DJ. You got to read the floor. Yeah. I see, you know, the energy's kind of sliding a little bit. Okay. <laughs> let's switch it up, you know, and go do stuff like trampoline park. They all love that. You know what I mean? So. Well, do you let your son win in wrestling or do you? I try to make it go back and forth. I don't mm-hmm. make, I want him to kind of be, be, you know, try hard. But right. if I see that he's putting a lot of effort in this like, move he's doing, then I'll let him feel the experience. But for the most part, I want him to keep trying to elevate. So I can't let him win too much because, <laughs> yeah. you know, he has to know he's got to put in the work too, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, that, yeah, because I feel like I'm going to be like, no, like he's never going to, I'm never going to let him win. You can yeah, eventually, yeah. eventually he is going to kick my butt, but no, he's got to learn how to like handle defeat, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Got to teach him that. Sure. Yeah, absolutely, man. Gosh, yeah, that's a whole other thing. You mentioned TikTok, like, I can't, uh, you know, the whole social media junk with your high schooler. Man, that's a mess. So you beat a harder on yourself. And I think another thing too, though, you know, David, and I don't know how it was for your parents, but with your three kids, now granted, I, you have a two-year-old, so this may not be really appropriate for your two-year-old, but creating open lines of communication. Like, tell me your thoughts on that in the sense of how do you create, have you, are you still working on it where I would hope that your that my child, you know, and my stepdaughter can come to me about anything. Like, Come to me about anything. Like you got to. Like I don't want there to be anything you don't feel like you can because you're going to feel judgment or you're going to feel embarrassed. But if it's like how, and I'm I'm taking notes right for my two year old. But like how do you create that, especially maybe with your oldest, um, you know, in high school because you move from, you know, I think there's that natural like in middle school, right? You're trying to size each other up. Where do I fit in? You're just trying to survive. Like so, am I the athlete? Am I the geek? Am I the comedian? I just got to get through freaking middle school. Um, and then we start kind of living behind these facades, you know, of somebody that we really aren't, you, you know? Um, and so it's like, we, we move away from parent approval. Okay. I've got the love of my mom. I've got the love of my dad. And then, then we start transitioning to peer approval, you know, now where do, where do I fit in now with my peers? And so during that growing up phase, how do you create open lines of communication with your kids? I mean, so first and foremost, you have, I feel like you have to know who that child is, you know, because my daughter is totally different than my son mm. and how my two-year-old is going to be, who knows, you know, she, <laughs> right. she seems like she's going to be the ringleader. I think she's, she, she's something else, but with my daughter, I mean, it's, you always start with the statement, you know, you can always talk to me about anything and you know, don't worry about me getting mad or, you know, you getting in trouble. Like if there's something you're not sure about, you're curious about, you're scared of, you can talk to me. But the hardest part in that is staying true to what you just said. Because if they really do come to you with something that's scary for you to think about them experiencing or thinking, you have to be able to hold true to some of that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean I mean, yeah, you're the parent, but it's if it's if it's not anything like I want to go hurt somebody or myself, where you might have to jump into parent mode and make sure everything is okay. And but if it's other stuff, I mean, you got to be able to take what they're saying, even if you have to check yourself in that conversation, and just like, okay, she's telling me this. She's telling me she was thinking about dating, you know, just say, for example, as a dad, 
you don't want to think about that. You know what I mean? Because you you were a young boy at that time too, and you know how you right. thought, whether right. that was, you know, all a sexual thing or it's just an immature way of thinking. Right. You, your daughter is now could possibly be the victim or the beneficiary of a good boy. You don't know, but right. you'd rather just protect her, but you can't jump into this, oh, it's forbidden and no, and just shut it all down because it's almost like that forbidden fruit that you can't have. You probably wouldn't want it anyway, but somebody told you you can't have it. So now they go for it. You know, I spent, well, in that particular conversation, I spent a lot of time grooming my daughter as she got older and talking to her about boys, talking to her about when her menstrual cycle would come and wow, just kind of getting her ready. So when she got older and started really experiencing this stuff, it was like, well, you know, daddy's already talked to me about a lot of this stuff. Daddy's shown me this. I mean, you know, this is, may not be for everybody, but I took her even when she was 14, I believe. I took her over there to Bissonette at night to show her all of the stuff that goes on out there because I used wow. to work in juvenile probation. So okay, I've seen a lot and I've heard a lot. And I just took her out there and we probably stayed out there for like an hour and I kind of drove her up and down and showed her some certain areas, you know, where not to go. If you're ever with your friends by yourself one day, you know, and what to look for and why these girls are out here. And some of these girls are your age, you know, and some of these girls get trapped into this from a girlfriend of theirs, boyfriend, you know, like just giving her all the scenarios. We talked about oh, sex trafficking. We talked about everything. And, but I've been grooming her with that kind of stuff since she was little, just kind of getting her used to having just straight up conversations with me that there's no real off limit thing, you know. That's intense. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it is. How did she how did she take that? How did how did she feel it was, it was very it was very shocking for her, really. You know what I mean? And just being out there and experience and stuff i mean there were even girls out there who tried to speak to her as we drove by them and i said see they either think that you're here working for me or they're or you're somebody that they could try to bring in with them and i explained the whole thing of her so it was just kind of like a shock because she's not like that's not the norm for her to see that outside of her house or sure. anything like that. You know what I mean? So yeah. it was, it was a big shock for her. And then we did the math on it, you know, like what these girls are experiencing in just a year's time. You know, if you're out here five days a week, you know, just say, and you, this many times, you know, this is the end number for that year. And she was like, Oh my God, like that's, disgusting <laughs> it's just she talked about all kind of stuff you know there's, there's girls out here that don't come home at night because they get killed you know there's guys out here that ended up end up getting hurt you know and you know stds everything just talked about every single thing that i could possibly talk about you know and how just, old was she again when you did that uh i want to say she was 14 14 that, yeah what made you think of to do that Oh, I always knew I was going to do that since she was probably like six. <laughs> you know, I just always had that in my head that I was going to bring her out there. And I think one time we were, I used to live 
off of Braidswood in the Chimney Rock area. So one time we were coming home from my sister's house and we drove down Bissonette and it was getting close to nighttime and there were some girls out there already walking and stuff. And I noticed she kind of looked. So I was like, okay, I'm definitely going to have to explain this, you know, so she knows what's going on. This isn't just somebody walking to the corner store. You know what I mean? So yeah, ever since she was probably, I would say at least five or six, it might've been earlier. I mean, I, I kind of have plans set out in my head as soon as I have a child, but yeah, I've always had that plan. I just wanted her to be old enough to really retain the information and not necessarily relate to it because it's something she wants to do or could do just, but maybe from seeing friends at school that act a certain way or do certain things and seeing certain stuff just now that you're older and really kind of understanding what that show may be referring to or that movie may, may be that referring song. to. Right. You know what I mean? And be careful about, you know, social media. You know, I had a, I had her watch a documentary on Netflix and it was called Social Social Dilemma. Dilemma. Yeah. So I had her watch that and then she wrote like a little short paper on, on it, you know, just with like a lot of bullet points, like how does this affect you? How can social media be good? How can social media be bad? Like what are the, you know, what are the things you need to look for, stay away from, you know, just cause I wanted her to have that full understanding that this is an addictive thing just as much as cigarettes are, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, so David, you just a minute ago, you said, am I doing enough? Am I, oh my gosh, David, you're amazing. Yeah. You are amazing. Yeah. Like that's incredible. What a, what a gift. What a gift to her. I, I don't know of many fathers that would take the time and do that. I mean, that is so intentional. That is so like long-term. That is so like just being open and raw and setting her up for success. And yeah. uh, it, you're, you're right there just having open communications about some pretty heavy stuff. But by yeah. creating that environment, I think it sounds like you're just creating this place of, of safety. Like we could talk about stuff, but to show her that, yeah, oh, David, I'm blown away, man. Seriously, like, thank you. This, thank this you. is this is real. No, this is really incredible, man. And I feel like it's you know I think what I love about doing these these shows is uh, I'm just you know just hitting record, but getting to know people, getting to hear people's stories. And but if there's something that kind of pops up that I I want to go deeper, like social media or mental health with men. You know, we did a show on mental health. We did a show on social media. But like what you're just talking about is maybe kind of stirring up with me like is there something there for fathers when should you start having those conversations and how you know so i love how you're doing that for your daughter it's incredible man on a little bit of a side note uh, a friend of mine she was telling her daughter who if, if you know hspva here performing arts yeah, uh, school yeah. downtown her daughter was just i think going into high school but basically the age of drinking and she was she got invited to go to her first party and so her mom said go but her hold a cup so everybody thinks that you're drinking but don't if you're feeling the pressure right if you feel like you need to kind of fit in 
but just right. watch, watch, watch how people, number one, they're drinking underage, you know, so it's technically illegal, but just see how stupid they get. Right. And, and I was like, right. wow, that's always stuck in my mind. You know, just, I don't know, just being proactive, but setting your daughter up. I don't know. So I thought that was kind of a cool thing, but, but what you're doing, yeah. man, is Definitely. that's awesome. So what do you, what would you do? Let's say for your son is cause he's in middle school. How do you handle a boy? So my son, that kind of goes into one of the other things that's, you know, my experience as a dad or is hard is knowing when to be tough and when to be nurturing. I mean, everybody has their different dynamics in, in say a marriage or just, you know, whoever they have children with, but when it's just you, you have to kind of juggle both of them. Like, when am I supposed to be tough when it comes to my son? Like all of them, really, when am I supposed to be the tough dad? When is it supposed to be, you know, come here, you know, let me hold you and talk to you. You know what I mean? So right. Right. With my son, it's, it's, um, it's a strong mixture of both because while I don't necessarily agree with all of the pressures and some of the things that are put on, you know, men nowadays are, not accepted or accepted. Uh, I do want him to be pretty tough because it's tough out here. You know, as, as much as we'd like to change all the social dynamics and everything and stuff, I don't necessarily see that happening. So I do want him to be tough, but I also talk to him about being okay with your feelings, like crying, like it's okay. You know, don't ever feel like you're weak for crying. It's, it's fine. You should cry. That's your release. That's your way of getting that out. But, you know, I always, when he gets to crying, it's like, okay, well, whatever you're feeling right now, just feel that. And then once you feel like you're done crying, think about what the actual problem is. And then decide if there's a solution to that. You know, if that's really the problem or are you really upset about something else? And this is just something that kind of triggered what you're really upset about. You know, in today's world, you know, we just had to talk about, me and my son just had to talk about homosexuality, you know, because it's always on TV and he's, I could tell he's kind of wondering about it. And I always tell him, I said, well, first and foremost, I always want you to respect everybody, regardless of their choices. They're different from yours or their lifestyle is different. You don't have to agree with somebody to give them respect. So... But I could tell it was kind of bothering him. And my son's not super into sports. You know, he loves science and stuff like that. He's always digging in the dirt for bugs and stuff like that. He loves his science experiments, but he's not like a real big sports kid. And that's just who he is, you know. But I could tell when we were talking about it, he was kind of getting upset. So immediately my brain kind of went to, oh, like, what's wrong? Like, what is he feeling that he hasn't said yet, you know? And his biggest thing was he wanted to know why, like, why do people have those dating preferences? Cause he sees it all the time on TV and commercials and everything. So, and I guess he felt bad for even wondering why, like maybe he shouldn't wondering why I said, well, Bo, you're, you're eight years old. You're supposed to question things. Like that's how you learn. That's how you experience things in life. Like you see something, you question it. Why is it like that? You know, is this possible? Like, 
that's okay. You shouldn't feel bad or like you're doing something wrong for questioning why a situation is the way it is. So I said, but the thing I want you to realize before we even get to talking about this is that don't hold on to stuff like that. Because when you hold on to these questions in your head, that obviously it bothers you because you're crying because you didn't even want to say that you were wondering why they did this. Don't hold on to that because you're, you're tormenting yourself, you know, let that stuff come out because when you keep it in your head, all you do is build up pressure over and over and over. And you're too afraid to say anything to me or your mom or anybody else, because for whatever reason you think you shouldn't be thinking that or questioning that it should just be no right out the gate, but no, that's how you learn. That's how you grow. So, but you know, get it out like talk about it it's okay you know and and in that that's another example my moment that if i was just being you know a crazy you know hard-chested dad and you know no and uh, you know i could have took that route of trying to just act like that was so taboo we're not even gonna worry about why they do it you know it's just right that's you know what i mean but but I could have shut him down at the same time by doing that. So I had to readjust my tone. I had to try to lighten my voice up a little bit, kind of bring myself down to his level, you know, and kind of rub his back while I was talking to him, make him feel relaxed. So when he comes out of that conversation and he gets the answers he needs, that he it's a good experience for him. So next time he'll come ask me next time he won't feel as worried about it. And that it's just like a constant thing. That's with every conversation. I mean, every time I have a conversation with him about something, it seems like the next one is just that much easier. And he feels that much more comfortable, mm. you know, teaching him to clean himself. You know, that was a big thing, you know, and I actually showed him how to do it by giving, showing him how I do it. And I was like, do you ever have any questions? Just come back and ask me. And then, he left like 10 minutes later, he came back and he, daddy, why is it like that? You know, and we talked about that. You know what I mean? Is you could, he had a question and he thought about it for a minute. He came back and I felt good about that because at least he felt okay with coming back and talking. Oh, it's huge. He felt safe. He felt hurt. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you have to create that. Yeah. You have to create that environment for them because if they don't feel that, then they'll end up asking somebody at school or, and somebody could give them, some biased answer and i try to be as unbiased about everything as possible because i want to give him truth you know so he has well all three of them have the ability to kind of make their own decision and kind of see okay this is what daddy said and that's kind of what's happening so that must be true i wonder how come you don't have a podcast about parenting <laughs> i've i've You're been told to do that before so david you are good you are good man i'm taking so many good nuggets from you. This is so awesome. Again, I'm, I'm being blown away just again by your intentionality and your sensitivity to your son, completely different from your oldest daughter. You're, yeah. It sounds like you're meeting your boy where he is and for who he is. He's a yeah. science guy. He looks to look for bugs. He's not the athlete and that's okay. That's who he yeah. is. That's who, yeah. oh, in my mind, in my, sorry if I may, from my lens, that's how God created him. 
and and to celebrate that exactly. and it's like this exactly. is who he is and and you're in the moment it's like you're constantly reading him and like oops i need to step back oops i need to push a little bit harder there i need to yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna throw out a nugget knowing he's gonna kind of like marinate on it a little bit and then he's gonna come right. back so i'm gonna kind of right. throw him out a bone a little bit so it's just like again you're like this dj just reading the floor with your kids and just like a puppeteer just kind of you know pulling the strings in an appropriate respectful way for each of your kids and that's huge because i think the biggest thing too for obviously for your boy because that's kind of where he is right now but in middle school the biggest thing i think is just knowing who you are and being confident um and not letting culture not letting peers sway you and so that's that role that you're doing is giving him that foundation and, and giving him a voice that's amazing job well done thank you thank you sir Absolutely. I'm working. I'm trying to keep it going. You know, it's Absolutely, like I said, it's a well, lot to think about. But you know, no. the, those little moments where they do open up, or you see after the conversation, they feel better, and you know, they're kind of even more like say for that day, kind of attached to you. You feel the energy is a little bit different because yeah. they feel good. That those are the moments I hold on to the most because. It is a lot to try to do that on a consistent basis and make sure you're doing the right thing. But those are like your little rewards. You know what I mean? Well, so that's you, what I try to hold on to. And you may never know, like when your daughter and your son are on a podcast talking about their father. Right. What <laughs> is going to stick out to them? Like, I'll never forget yeah. when my dad was st- talking to me about this and he, you know, met me where I was. I, you never know. You never know. Right. Right. And I think, but I think that's kind of my here and in and obviously in our culture with just everything coming at parents from every different direction is how do i with you know my stepdaughter and she has i'm very we're very blessed she has a very active father in her life which we're thankful for in fact we all sat at the adult table together last night as we we're celebrating my stepdaughter's birthday at our party yeah. but for my for her too but for my son it's how do i how do you build grit and confidence in him that's not cocky but yet he's got a certain swagger but yet he's um i want him to like you said i want him to respect every person that he comes across with and and gets to know that everybody has a story everybody has value again like you said i may not agree with that that lifestyle specifically but i'm going to respect you because you're a special creation, right? So it's like, how do you, um, and a lot of it's probably out of your hands to some degree, but also too, maybe by the, they're looking at you by the words that you speak or the actions. How do you, how does David treat other people? You know, he's probably watching you more, your actions than what you're saying. Right. Two, your work ethic. Yeah. You know, for sure. Yeah. The, the, the saying of, you know, do as I say, not as I do, that doesn't work. I mean, that's, that's not something they're going to watch you for sure. So you got to make sure whatever you're telling them lines up. Otherwise, I mean, what you do is what they're going to end up doing. I, I can see it in my kids all the time, you know, and how they speak or how my son walks sometimes or it's, he's mimicking what he sees. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, of course, I just got back from uh, <laughs> if there's anything you need to teach your son is how to pack his luggage himself, how to roll up a sleeping bag and not lose his water bottle. Anyway, because it was like this this last week, it was not, it was ridiculous. I was like, you don't know how to pack your luggage. You don't have to do your sleeping bag. Their water bottles were being left everywhere. I mean, it was, it was insane. Yeah. 
So yeah. there you go. <laughs> Just do that. Two other questions, David. Now, obviously, you're, you're, you have three kids all across the spectrum. What would you tell yourself, n- knowing what you know now, if you could go back and tell yourself when you were a new father with your firstborn, what would you tell yourself? Just, you're not going to be perfect, but as long as everything that you're doing is is about making them a better person, you know, you're putting them first, it's always for the betterment of them, then just be okay with that. You know, that's it. Just don't think about the other stuff. Don't try to keep up with the Joneses or, or yep. what everybody else is doing with their kids or whatever. Just whatever it is you're doing, enjoy that. You know, embrace that. And as long as it's everything you're doing is for their betterment and their benefit, be okay with that. And just, you know, take solace in that. Go from there. It's funny now that I'm a, you know, before I became like a, my own child, I was like, man, I'm going to do my, now that I have my child's like, I could see where, well, they're, they're going there or they're doing that or they're that, that family or this family. So I can, I could see how it'd be kind of easy to, Right to compare a little bit, but to kind of well, you kind of remind yourself to stop. Like, yeah, and that that's where social media messes stuff up. And I, I read a, a kind of like a short story the other day on Facebook, and it was about this mother who took her daughter to the pool. And I guess the story comes from the point of view of somebody who was watching the mother and the daughter. But they said the mom and the daughter showed up in matching bathing suits, you know, hair looked really nice and it had toys and everything. And on, you know, the onlooker saw the mom set out, spread the toys out on the towel, you know, kind of nice, like, and had her daughter kind of pose in front of the toys, you know, a bunch of different poses and took pictures with her daughter and everything. And then did that for maybe like 15 minutes or so, you know, 10, 15 minutes. And then in the story, they said the daughter got into the pool and immediately was like, you know, mommy, come swim with me, come swim with me. And she was on the phone and not really paying attention to what the daughter was saying. And then like 10 minutes after being on the phone, she hung the phone up, picked up all the toys and said, okay, let's go. And then at the end of the story, they were like, but I bet she posted all of those on social media and it looked like oh yeah she was just doing the most amazing things with her daughter but really in reality it was only for the show it wasn't really about taking your daughter to the pool you know letting her swim teaching her to swim spending time it was more about let me show everybody else and she said i'm being i look like a good parent you know what i mean yeah. I mean, that could have very well been a dad. So it's nothing towards, you know, moms and their kids or not. It's just oh. parents in general, you know, yeah. don't get caught up in trying to even capture every moment. Sometimes I just, I just don't even take photos. I just try to enjoy what I'm doing. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. but I think a lot of people have that pressure on them. They want to take the photos. They want to post it and say, look at us. And then people on the other end see it and they're like, well, shoot. They're doing all this stuff. I haven't done anything with my kids this weekend. You know what I mean? But sometimes that's the best stuff. Laying around, eating snacks, watching movies, just talking, you know, whatever. I mean, sometimes that is some of the best things. And then you can go do something, but you just can't compare yourself, I think. 
hundred percent. Well, it, it, great points, and I think that's huge. It's such a story, and I guess because my last, it kind of that kind of leads into this question: What do you see are the biggest challenges facing dads or parents? And and so you mentioned social media and this this mom at the pool, right? Of how the, they're being perceived, keeping up with the Joneses, if you will. But what do you see as the biggest challenges facing, I guess, specifically dads today in this culture, this climate? In my personal experience, I think there's like two sides to that. I think it kind of depends if you're a single dad or if you are in a marriage or relationship. So I think one side of it is definitely the societal expectations, you know, like dads are quote unquote stereotypically not the nurturers in the home you know, and you're not expected to. And almost if you do, you're not necessarily being a man. I think that's a, I think more dads are kind of getting away from that now. I think there's a lot more focus on men's mental health, you know, these days, but I think that's where it starts. So I think being able to be more emotionally available for dads, I think is a, is a big struggle nowadays because you've been taught something so different all you know your whole life your dad's life your grandparents life so trying to like bridge that gap from being you know big strong just almost neanderthal type of dad to i can still protect my family i can still make everybody feel safe i can still be this superhero in my son's eyes but also not just by being strong and tough and manly, I can also sit down next to him and allow him to cry, even cry myself in front of him so he can see by example, it's okay to cry. Right. Not having to be hard all the time, you know what I mean? And just give him the lessons, you know, teach him how to be strong, but also teach him how to feel, you know what I mean? And you think trying to juggle what society and, you know, some of these other podcasts are trying to tell you is kind of like tearing people from left to right. Like, which way should I go? So I think that is, that's definitely a societal expectations is definitely something hard for dads. And I think on the other side of the spectrum, maybe more for single dads, just depending on what your situation is and stuff. But I think the court system is, the big problem on that mm. side, the huge problem, I think, if you just maybe look at just the standard visitation, like, you know, that the courts will give if parents can't agree on anything, it's every Thursday, every other weekend, and, you know, some, you know, you alternate breaks and stuff. But what I feel like they're saying in that is that your time with your dad is not as important as it is with your mother. And, I mean, of course, there's things to consider when when it comes to that, you know, like back and forth and where's the child's school and stuff like that. But when all those things are in alignment, I think that for the most part, it should automatically be 50-50 because, I mean, there's too many things supporting that the dad being in that child's life is for the betterment. There's too many supporting facts, statistics, you know, whatever you want to look at, but I think one interesting statistic I read is that a child who was raised by a single father, just solely their father, has the same chance of not ending up in the prison system as he, that child does with a father and mother 
And again, it's not nothing against moms, but the chance went way further up just being raised by their mother alone. So that's not to take away from anybody or anything, but that's to demonstrate how instrumental fathers are in their child's lives, not just little boys' lives or anything, just their children, period. You know, I think the court system is almost like severely out of date that it's, oh, well, the dad doesn't need to be there. He just needs to work and make the money and send the money home or whatever. But that's not true. I mean, it's being demonstrated over and over. That's not true. So I think as a single father that has to deal, if you have to deal with the court system in your life, everybody doesn't. But if you do, I think that can be a very big hurdle. No, thank you for sharing that. Just in our culture, is that really being talked about? Is that really being addressed as far as single fathers? You know, a real dear, dear friend of mine, he's kind of almost been so much of a spiritual mentor to me, had a fight for his son. Hasn't really gone into specifics, but he ended up getting full custody of his son, which hearing his story a little bit, it's pretty rare that that happens, um, at least in the state of Texas for that. As you were talking to, I've referenced this in the first couple of my shows, but the National Fatherhood Initiative, it's fatherhood.org, that children with involved fathers have a strong foundation for child well-being. They are at lower risk for a host of poor childhood outcomes, infant mortality, neglect, abuse, injury, obesity, teen pregnancy, criminal activity, suicide. So like to your point, having the involvement of of a father is is huge huge right. in a child's child's life so i appreciate you bringing that up because i think that is an area uh, that needs to be talked about and i don't know if, if that's something i need to shed more light on you know on a show or two what's gotten gotten you what's helped you through all this with say your children or on that side of things it's kind of like it's almost acceptance and kind of like you said that it's very rare for fathers to get custody but i think what makes it even more rare is a lot of dads just automatically assume they can't and i have custody of my oldest but a lot of dads are like you know there's no way and i mean so i think that that's you know part of it but as far as for me you just you just kind of accept it and, and i try to focus you know, at least some of my energy in making sure that my relationship with their mother is as good as it can be. Sure. Because she is, you know, how the core system sets it up. She is the gatekeeper for any additional time that I can get. Now, yeah, on my days, she has no say so in that, right? And, but if I want to, you know, come see them, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday after work or something, or take them to dinner or something. She is that gatekeeper. So trying to keep that relationship, you know, good communication, understanding, that's one of my ways to do that. And when the time does come to have additional time, take advantage of it, you know, and maybe allow her to see what it's like with a break, you know, and yeah, yeah, maybe she'll appreciate that more and want it more. I mean, because it, it's hard. I mean, I know I've, I've done it myself and I don't have the other side that helps me when it comes to my oldest. So it's been solely me her whole oh, life. I got so it's a little bit different. But yeah, I, I just acceptance. What am I in control of? So how I act with their mother, you know, just 
making the most of the time I do get, you know, if I'm off early, oh, I'll, I'll go pick them up from school. You know, you go home and get whatever ready, you know, for them and I'll keep them for a little bit so you can just go home and relax, you know, and just trying to take advantage of any time that I do have. Gotcha. And that I'm allowed to have at that point, you know what I mean? So, and having the conversations, you know, with their mother when, you know, chance presents itself, you know, and even when it comes to my son, you know, she's kind of expressed on her, you know, her own that I, you know, I think he's going to end up needing to come live with you, you know? And so, and that's great. I don't know. I am, I'm not getting my hopes up on that, but I don't know if that's a for sure thing, but the fact that it's even spinning around in her head is good. That speaks well of you and, and the confidence. Honestly, again, thank you for sharing that and just being honest and real. Cause again, the hope of this is that somebody out there is going through what you're going through or about to go, what you've gone through. It, that could be, this could be a word of encouragement. What would you yeah. tell a dad out there that's struggling, either in a, in a custody fight or going through a divorce or whatever that is? Do you have any words of encouragement? Well, I mean, if it's about custody, if it's an actual fight, like in, in that manner where you're trying to get custody and maybe you don't feel like your child is safe over there or whatever the reason is that you want custody outside of the emotional bitterness. I don't validate anybody on either side, moms or dads on that. But if it's just about the child, document everything, you know, don't involve the child. Don't, you know, try to pry them for information, leave them out of it because that's damaging to them. But document everything, document every time that you have the child and just so you can show that you are one, not a threat to the child and that you are actually good for the child. You know, the other stuff will show for itself if some, if the other party isn't and just don't give up on it. I mean, if, you know, some people, I saw a saying, it was actually a meme, I think it was on social media, but it was like saying that if the mother, your child asks, or your child asks you, you know, why didn't you fight for me when I was a child to to get custody of me or spend more time with me, the response was, well, why should I have to fight to even spend time with you? I shouldn't have to fight as your father or your mother to be able to see you or spend time with you. So it kind of turned it around. Like, why is the other person making me fight? So I agree with that statement. That's very true, but you still have to fight regardless. You know, like you, you have to take care of yourself, right? So if you have to take a mental break, you know, just kind of don't think about it for a little while, do that, but just keep your ducks in a row. You know, if it's about your child or your children, you know, document everything you can, whether that's, you know, things you provide for them, times you have them, whatever it is you need to, to, especially as a dad, you know, it's just dads are not favored as well in court as mothers are. That's just, they just see the mother as automatically, well, that's where the child is going. That's you know, that's why it's so, yeah, that's why it's so amazing nowadays. Like if I get some people tell me all the time that if a dad is raising their child by himself or has custody, it's like, oh, that's so great. But the, it's really sad that it's so great because it right. shouldn't be like that. It should just be like, oh, well, cool. You know, you have your child just like that mother over there has her child and that dad over there has his child, you know. But it's looked at as something extra because it's kind of like you said, yeah, the default in a court system is mom gets the kids. 
So, I mean, and it's even worse for younger children. Any child that's under three, I, I don't have this because I got it changed. But any child that's under three, you can see your child as, as little as eight hours during the day every two weeks. And that's just because, well, they're under three, you know, maybe they're breastfeeding. Even, But even if your child isn't breastfeeding, it's still the same thing. I mean, that was brought up to me in my situation during my separation. That, okay, well, you'll start off for, from eight to five, you know, every other Saturday, like eight hours out of, so you're telling me I get to see my daughter for 16 hours out of a month. And there's step ups, you know, well, you know, after they reach a certain age, you know, then you go to Saturday and Sunday for eight hours. But that's insane because those are those are like pivotal. Those are prime years for that Dude. child to bond. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they say personalities are pretty much almost formed by four or five. So if I wasn't around prior to this. Or to say I was in a situation like some dads didn't even know I had a child until they were one. And then you, you know what I mean? Like it's crazy. So I just tell anybody that is fighting for that just to keep fighting. I mean, there's, and, and if, and if all you can do at this point is get the standard visitation, then just go do that. Like put something in place. If you, if your fight is not just with the court, if it's with your significant other for whatever reason, you know, I hope it's not, but if it was, just go to court about it. Just get that stuff on paper. Yeah, you'll have to pay child support. But is that paying that child support through the court not worth seeing your children? No, I don't think it is. So, I mean, whatever you got to do, do it. You know, because you're, you're instrumental in their lives. <laughs> huge, huge. So I think that's a big t- takeaway, right? It's just don't give up and keep all your ducks in a row. Document, document, and just keep yeah. it because it's worth it. And again... You're not alone. Hear from David. There are other men out there too. You know, you're not the only one fighting this. You know, right. so um, yeah. So hopefully that's words of encouragement, David. And that's just good raw stuff, man. I appreciate it. What do you do for you to relax? Because you got a lot on your plate, man. You're carrying a heavy burden. How does David recharge? It's either one of two things. I'm either, you know, like say like tonight. My oldest, she went to go spend the night with her grandma. So if I can sit in my house and if my house is clean, I got some good food and I can just sit there and relax, I do that. It's very relaxing for me. And the other thing that I do is I, I go take a drive or I get on, I get on the motorcycle and I just go ride and I don't worry about nothing else. I don't worry about the bills coming up next month. I don't worry about the business. I don't. Where am I? I don't worry about the kids at that moment. Like everybody's should be home in bed. So everybody's good. I just think about the ride and just relax. That's beautiful. Well, I feel like I needed to ask that, you know, you got a lot on your shoulders, man. And you have a lot of people relying on you. So I was just wondering, um, how does David take care of himself? That's good to hear. David, is there anything though that I haven't asked you or anything that is on your heart that you want to share? After our conversation, you know, I would just tell any dad that's out there, you know, that's really just putting in the effort and maybe he's not sure if he's doing the right thing. Just try to talk to another dad that you know of, you know, maybe get a little bit of outside point of view and 
just don't put so much pressure on yourself, you know, especially if it's coming from out, you know, it's outside pressure. Like if yeah. you're loving on your kids, you're being there for them, you're creating a safe space for them, then you're doing what you're supposed to do. You know, all the other stuff, the material things or whatever else, that's the extra bonuses. And yeah, it'd be nice to have that. But if you're doing what requires them to grow up and be good people, which is a mental, emotional, personal time with them, that kind of thing, then you're doing good. That's good. That's good. Well, David, I appreciate that. And uh, may that resonate with somebody out there that's listening. That's the hope and the prayer. And that's the, the, really the point of this. So um, I can't thank you enough for not knowing me and just taking your time, a risk, and being vulnerable with your story. What a great story. And what an incredible dad you are. I can't think of a better person your your kids are looking up to as such a role model. So thank you. No problem, man. I enjoyed it. Thank you for having me. We hope you enjoy this latest episode of Bear Crawl with Dads. From our brother C.S. Lewis, you can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are and change the ending. 